This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Teens experience hyper-rational thinking. What that means is they focus on the positive aspect of a choice or decision that they're thinking about making, and they minimize the potential risk or danger. So they do indeed know that it might not be the smartest thing to do, but they don't care because they'll probably get away with it. Hyper-rational thinking. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast where we tease apart the challenges and nuances of parenting through adolescence. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer and adolescent lead at Sproutable, a company that represents not only the growth of children, but also the journey and evolution that we all get to go on as parents. I'm walking the path right next to you as I navigate parenting my own two kids here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Joyful Courage is all about grit, growth on the parenting journey, relationships that provide a sense of connection and meaning, and influential tools that support everyone in being their best selves. Thanks for being here. We are over 1 million downloads and 300 plus episodes strong. You have taken us to the top 1% of podcasts worldwide. I so, so appreciate you listening in. I'm really excited again for today's show. It is the final, the sixth of the six solo show series where I have been deep diving with all of you into alternatives to punishment and really hoping to shift mindsets around how to be in response to the behavior that can often show up during the teen years, the behavior that we don't really love. As a disclaimer, I am not a therapist or a doctor, and if you're feeling like your child is in harm's way due to the behavior they are currently exhibiting, I would encourage you to reach out to a medical or mental health professional. I am a parent coach. I'm a positive discipline lead trainer and the mom of two teens, as I've already mentioned. So I will be coming to you with that resume. I'm also deeply, deeply invested in supporting parents through the teen years. I've got you. Welcome. Enjoy the show. Hey, all right. I am super excited. We've made it to week six. You guys, week six. This has been such a fun ride with all of you and has really stretched me into getting ever more clear on what it takes to truly release the conditioning we are 
all carrying from the traditional parenting we may have received so that we truly can move into the relationship-centered approach that maintains dignity and respect for all. I'm so honored to be on this path with you. I'm so honored. And if you're just joining us, I want to let you know that I have been sharing about alternatives to punishment for the past six weeks. So you may want to go back and start at episode 317 and listen on from there to get the full impact of the message that has been carried through this series. Okay. Yay. Hi. (laughs) Hi. So this week I'm still coming at you from California. Did I mention that last week? I have been spending time down here with my mom and my brother and my extended family to support him through a health crisis. I am so deeply grateful to be able to do that. Really grateful that my little family up north can function just fine without me and grateful for my own spiritual and self-care practice that has supported me in being with the always unfolding experience of life. You just don't know what's around the bend, do you? Where I want to go today on the show is I want to talk about how to navigate things when your teen's behavior is bigger than what your family can hold. I want to talk about novelty seeking and I will be kind of doing a wrap up of this six week, six episode series. So the past six weeks, we've been talking about mindset shifts and ways of being that support your teen and the developmental process that they're going through as they move through the teen years. I believe with all of my heart that keeping relationships centered, staying curious, staying connected and calm is really the most important things that your teen needs during this time of their life. And sometimes things can spiral out and safety becomes a real concern. Sometimes we absolutely need outside help. So behaviors that I have experienced or seen with parents that I've worked with that I believe are bigger than the family can hold include depression and anxiety disorders, eating disorders, self-harm, suicidal ideation, problematic drinking and or drug use, unprotected, unsafe sexual activity, excessive, reckless and or aggressive behavior, school refusal, vandalism, There's probably more to this list, but that's what I've got from now. I would also add maybe gang affiliation or any kind of access or use of weapons. When I say bigger than the family can hold, I mean when it's time to get that outside help. So outside help might start with a family therapist. It might start with a parent coach, individual therapy for your child, although I think I really want you to hear this. I think if you are looking for a therapist for your child, you should for sure be on the hunt for one for you as well, because we're all involved in the dynamic that's happening in the family, which means we could all use that supportive person to help us process out, make sense of what's going on and take a look at where our responsibility in the dynamic lies. Now, some of our kids need more intensive intervention. So for some of our kids, that once a week talk therapy isn't enough. So they need more. Outpatient programs can look like the comprehensive DBT program that I did with my daughter, which I've shared about. It consisted of an hour of weekly therapy for her, 
DBT therapy, as well as a 90-minute skills workshop that she and I both attended with other caregivers and adolescents. And that program was done with Fidelity, lasted six months. There are also outpatient programs that can be more involved, programs where our kids are spending time, you know, daily, all day in a facility that serves adolescents with individual and group therapy, but they're coming home at night. So it's like you drop them off in the morning, pick them up in the afternoon. Most of those programs also have a family therapy component as well. And then finally, some of our teens, what they need, what they can benefit from is an inpatient treatment program. And there's a variety of these to choose from. Some of them are more focused on mental health. Some of them are focused on substance use and abuse and addiction. Some of them combine that. Some of them are focused simply on eating disorders. There's a lot to choose from with a range of how much time our kids are spending there. I have clients who have kids that have been in a residential program for a few days to a few weeks to a few months. Some of the clients I have served have kids who have gone through wilderness therapy programs. It's really up to you to do the work of exploring these different offerings, I would absolutely encourage you to talk with other families about their experiences in the programs and at the facilities and what the long-term outcomes have been for their kids. So yes, for some of our children, we do need to search for support that can meet their needs outside of just what we can offer to them. And there is no shame in this. There is no shame. There is no blame. It is all a part of the journey that we are on with them. So finding resources and getting them help is what matters. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. There's also the challenge of getting your teen to agree to getting the help they need. So this is really tough. This is really tough and I've been there. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you my experience with this. And I reached out to my daughter today to make sure that I had permission to share about this. So many of you are familiar with parts of my story with Rowan. You've heard her tell it on the podcast. But in the fall of 2019, that was a really, really tough season of parenting for me and a really tough season of existing, really, for my daughter. At the time she was 16, her life was completely being hijacked by intense anxiety, deep depression. She was struggling with body image and disordered eating. She seemed to be just disintegrating before my eyes. We weren't sure if she had anorexia. Like we just weren't really sure what was happening. All we knew was she couldn't eat. She would get anxiety around eating, which just made it even harder for her to eat and to the point of nausea. Like it was really awful. And I didn't know how to help her. And I had been trying to find help for her for the past two years and nothing really stuck. The therapists and the doctors that I was setting her up with couldn't figure out how to create the connection, the meaningful connection that she needed to be a part of her healing process. And honestly, it was just hard to find help. It was hard to find help for adolescents. The wait list seemed endless and I was really frantic. Her anxiety, like I said, was getting in the way of eating and fueling her body and she just kept getting smaller and smaller. It was really, really scary. I was really scared and I knew that what was happening for her was out of my wheelhouse, right? I knew that the solution lied outside of our little family. She did a call with a local eating disorder clinic and I was actually really surprised and encouraged. I just told her like, hey, we're going to get on this call where they're going to kind of suss things out and tell us what the best you know, plan for treatment that you need is they're going to let us know what you need. I was really surprised and encouraged by how honest and candid she was as she answered their questions about how she was feeling, what her habits were, her relationship with her body and food. I was encouraged by how she responded to this phone interview. A few days later, they reached out to me via email and said that the only thing that they could recommend for her was full inpatient treatment. They said that the comorbidity of her anxiety and depression, plus the disordered eating, and you know she had some substance use going on, were all indicators to them that the best course of action was to check her in. And I'm gonna be totally honest with you, I did not expect that. I thought they would say intensive outpatient. I thought it was gonna be an outpatient situation. I was floored and scared and 
you know, all the things, so much fear and doubt ran through me for the days that followed. And I really was like, how am I going to tell her this? How am I going to get her to go? Like, I just couldn't visualize it. I was so scared, but I was also so scared about her not going. I was so scared about what the current reality was in our home. And, you know, in my lack of skills, it was just a really, really tough time. My husband and I had a ton of conversations and finally agreed that if the experts were saying that this is what she needed, then this is what she needed. And I knew that I needed to be 100% confident in this decision, that I needed to feel and embody that confidence as I navigated whatever her response was. She knew she wasn't okay at this point, but I didn't think she was thinking that this was the direction that we were gonna go in. So a few days later, it was a Sunday night, And Ben and I had planned, you know, okay, tonight we're going to tell her and we're going to take her in on Tuesday. We're going to give her some warning. We thought that was the right thing to do. And we were all in the bedroom and I said, hey, we got the results and this is what they recommended. And we are going to take you down and check you in on Tuesday. And at first she was really calm. Okay. And then slowly she became dysregulated and the panic set in. She got up and she left and then she came back and she left and Ben had taken the unhooked the battery on her car just in case. I don't know. She ran out and tried to drive away. We didn't know how she would respond. It was awful. It was so hard. The next morning I got up, I got my son to school and she was awake and she said, I haven't slept. You know, she was actually in the bathroom, like nauseous, thinking she was going to throw up. She was in full panic mode about this. We talked in the bathroom. We talked on the patio. You know, it was just kind of this endless cycle of her in panic and me just really trying to ground into being present, connecting with her, validating, validating her experience with also resolve that this is the course of action we were taking. This is what's going to happen. I really worked to stay grounded and regulated so that she could have her experience. And she had her experience. She said things like, this will ruin our family. We're never going to come back from this. And I just had to really embody confidence that this was the right thing to do. And I remember saying, you know, this is bigger than what we can handle in our family. I remember saying, this isn't how your life should feel. You can get help. That's what this place is for. We love you too much not to follow through and get you this help. And, you know, I just kind of was a broken record. And she, you know, deer in the headlights, so scared of the unknown, so uncertain about what lied ahead. And then finally, there was this moment where like her energy kind of dropped a little bit. And she asked me, what do I need to pack? And that moment, it was like I could exhale and I felt like we were turning a corner into some acceptance. And I emailed the facility asking just that, you know, we're bringing her in. We're coming in tomorrow morning. What is it that we need to bring? And a little while later, I got an email back and that email said, sorry, there are no beds. We can put her on the wait list. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe what I just lived through and to hear that they had no beds, that there was a wait list. I just, I mean, I just can't even find the words to describe how that felt. I remember going back into the bathroom and kind of leaning against the door frame and looking at her and saying, well, there's no beds. And so we're not going tomorrow, but they are putting you on a wait list. So this is happening. And 
I need you to be on the team to help you. Like, I need you to help yourself. What I didn't realize in that moment was the gift, that I didn't see it as a gift because, well, I'll tell you about what that gift was in a minute. These were some of my absolute hardest parenting days. These were times that I really had to trust myself and my intuition, even as I had no idea what to do. I also had to source like trust. I had to practice letting go and letting trust show up in my body and my way of being, right? I needed to communicate it with Rowan in that morning and that night with more than just words. Like I really had to bring an energy of trust. I had to trust myself and my decision so that she could also trust that. I validated how she felt, right? It is scary and it is an unknown. And I said over and over, like I mentioned, this is bigger than us. Life shouldn't be this hard and painful. Like you need help. Our family needs this help. And full transparency, I don't know what it would have been like to drive her to the clinic and check her in because in the end, we didn't do that. The wait list never panned out. And I think the experience, my resolve, the fact that we were fully committed to this decision flipped a crucial switch for her that, you know, made her realize like, oh, you know what? My parents, they're not fucking around. And we needed her to get on board to get better. And I think that really landed for her through this experience. We needed her to be on board to get better. And eventually she did get on board. She did get on board. So six months later is when we were on a wait list, another wait list for this DBT program local to where we were, six month wait list. And that's when we started the DBT program. Took her a while to really use what she was learning. And she has since then taken responsibility for her mental health. She's grown so much. She is healing her relationship with her body and with food. You can listen to her talk about that period of time on episode 252. She doesn't really talk about the disordered eating in that episode, but that is a piece of what was going on and a really scary piece as well. And I share this story for two reasons. One, how you are showing up to these conversations about therapy, about getting help, how you show up to these conversations, these events, these experiences with your teens matter. Whether it's we need therapy or we're taking you to inpatient, whatever the conversation is, you have to embody that energetic, confident authority so that they can feel that security even as they are afraid or unsure, right? So, and that takes practice and it takes incredible intention to really embody that energy. And the other reason I wanted to share this is to trust that one thing often can lead to another. Be relentless in your work to get help for your child and trust that the way things unfold may be just how they're meant to unfold. Even as it feels like, oh my God, another wait list or another you know, missed opportunity, even as in the moment, it might not feel like things are working out, trust that they are. I don't know if Rowan needed that inpatient treatment or if we all just needed the opportunity to look reality in the face. Regardless, I am grateful for the unfolding. I'm grateful for the unfolding. Now, I hear a lot from you in the community that your teens are resistant to therapy, they're resistant to help. So again, 
find your confident authority. And then when it's something that they need, don't make it a choice. Hold the structure of this is happening, right? That's the structure. This is happening. And then look for a place for freedom within the structure. So there's so many different ways to get help. I've been talking, promoting teencounseling.com. It's an affiliate of BetterHelp, right? So there's online counseling that is available. A few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I had Dr. Melanie McNally on. She's got a teen therapy boot camp. That's an app that she's developed to offer a therapy in a way that really meets our teens where they're at. Or, you know, there's the traditional options. Do your research and find something that's useful. I think what is important is letting our kids know you don't have to feel this way. It doesn't have to be this hard. And I'm scared. I'm worried about you. This is bigger than us. Let's get some help. I will say again, you know, I started saying that to Rowan, I think she was 14 and it wasn't until, gosh, she was 17 when we started that DBT program. So it was the start of ninth grade, went sideways, started to go sideways. And it wasn't almost two and a half years later that we really found a rhythm and a program and an offering that was useful to her. So, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint right? And sometimes it's a couple false starts to find the right fit, to find the right person, to find the right program. Keep up the curiosity, keep up the connection, listen more than you speak. Don't try and talk them out of how they feel, but hold that energy of confident authority. And be sure to land the message of, this isn't for me. This isn't about me. This is for you. So use it, right? When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So yeah, in our family, some of the challenges had to do with mental health, but that isn't the only reason kids might 
be going off the rails, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about teen brain development as well this week, specifically their wiring for novelty seeking. So I mentioned last week that we would take some time to dig in here. And I think this part of teen brain development is so interesting. And I recently watched Dan Siegel. You guys know I'm a huge Dan Siegel fan. I watched him talk about this and I'm just blown away by how nature and biology has served us. And as a species, as we move through childhood, adolescence, and into adulthood. So the science is really cool. I'm going to kind of tease it apart a little bit. From zero to 12, the brain is like a sponge, pulls in all the information it's receiving, it takes it, it stores it away. Around 12, the brain starts to prune away the things it isn't using or practicing. And our kids move from being generalists to being specialists. That's how Dan Siegel put it. So they knew a lot about a lot of things. And then as they move into adolescence, they continue to learn and grow in the things that they are interested in practicing using. They continue to grow in the areas they use. The brain becomes more efficient with the skills they are processing and practicing. Everything else kind of falls away. The teen years exist as that transition period between childhood and adulthood, right? And we need our kids, our teens, to be willing to step forward into what is unfamiliar and uncertain. We need them to be willing to try new things, eventually leave the house, take care of themselves, take healthy risks, right? We need them to be bold and we need them to be brave. So what Dan Siegel talks about in this video and the link, I'm gonna make sure the link are in the show notes. What Dan Siegel talks about in this video is the dopamine reward system that develops during adolescence. So what is dopamine? Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that plays a role in how we feel pleasure. It's a big part of our unique human ability to think and to plan, and it helps us strive, focus, and find things interesting. Here's the crazy thing, during adolescence, the dopamine baseline is lower than at other parts of our life. But when the release happens, when we find pleasure, when we do something that's pleasurable, the amount of dopamine that's released is actually higher than at other times of our lives. And what this means is there's a reason that when our kids aren't doing anything, they're bored. They are, they're bored, they have less dopamine in their system. And when they decide to do something new or novel or get an idea that they dive into, man, it is a dopamine flood and it feels good. It feels so good. The other thing that's happening is shared by Dr. Siegel is that teens experience hyper-rational thinking. What that means is they focus on the positive aspect of a choice or decision that they're thinking about making and they minimize the potential risk or danger. So they do indeed know that it might not be the smartest thing to do, but they don't care because they'll probably get away with it. Hyper-rational thinking, awesome. And in a lot of ways, it truly is awesome because otherwise none of us ever would have left home. We wouldn't have even left the cave, right? If it wasn't for adolescence. And different kids have different thresholds of novelty seeking. There's definitely kids that are wired to seek more novelty than others. You are the expert on your child and being an expert or knowing your child means that you can be instrumental in supporting them with seeking out healthy activities that get that need met. Things that provide a thrill. Things like rock climbing, 
open mic nights, karaoke, mountain biking, skateboarding, go-kart racing, horseback riding. Some of these things may be more of a thrill than to your child than to others. But my point is that there are activities out there that get the itch that they have scratched. So it's less likely that your child isn't drag racing down Main Street in the middle of the night, right? So here we are again, back at the importance of knowing your child of nurturing the relationship in a way that allows them to feel seen and heard and attuned to. It's a lot. It's super layered, right? And it requires you to do real interpersonal work as well as intrapersonal work. You cannot phone it in as a parent of a teenager. You can't. It's just, you can't phone it in. You've got to show up. You've got to do the work, right? Otherwise, not only is it going to be really tough for your kids, but it's not going to be any fun for you, right? I mean, there's definitely, even when we are someone who does a lot of this work, (laughs) there's definitely not such fun moments, but you can really help yourself by tuning in, learning, growing, doing your own work. You also need to be sure to be getting your needs met. You have to be taking care of yourself as you move through these years with your teen, especially if your teen is one that is really struggling, really having a hard time. Ben and I had a couples counselor tell us early on when we were just starting to struggle with our teen, she said, you know, the most important thing you guys can do is get a life. (laughs) And it made sense. Otherwise, our life is spent worrying about our teens in fear, looking for control, no bueno. You have to take care of you. You have to. It isn't negotiable. And if you don't feel like you have enough time to spend on you and taking care of you, we need to get on the phone and work that belief out. Taking care of yourself puts you in the physical, emotional, and mental headspace that you need to make decisions, to be present, to say no. Taking care of yourself gives you what you need to be on the ride that is parenting teenagers. And as many of you know, there are weeks, sometimes months, or even years that are can feel brutal during this season of parenting. And we have to be in shape to run those metaphorical marathons. We may be showing up as our best, doing all the right things, and the experience is still brutal, right? Take care of you so that you can endure. And not only that, trust that the journey your teen is on is their journey. You don't know in the moment, you don't know what they're learning or growing through the hardest times of their teen years that will serve them in the future. You don't know how things are going to turn out. What supports me is that there is purpose to everything. That's my belief. There is purpose to everything. Being 15, being 16, being 17, that was such a small part of my overarching 48-year life story that continues to unfold. It will be the same for your child. There is plenty to look back on. And the goal would be for them to remember, yeah, it was hard. And yeah, my parents were consistently there for me, right? I learned through what I went through. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Because that's what I got for you. That's how I'm wrapping things up today. That's how I'm wrapping up this six weeks of alternatives to punishment. How are you feeling? What did this series offer to you? Do you feel like you have more tools? Was this useful? Do you feel like you have more questions? How are you integrating? How have you been integrating what you learned? So I want to encourage you to start the series over. 
now that you've been through it once, and I do this all the time with podcasts, go back, reflect on what your takeaways are, and then go back and re-listen to the series and see what else comes to the surface for you. What makes more sense the second time around? Jump into the Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens Facebook group and share what you're taking away from this series. Hear from others who've been along for the ride these last six weeks. Or if you're really sitting inside of it, if this is new, if you're feeling overwhelmed by the mindset shifts and the tools and the possibility of being with behavior in a different way, you can reach out directly to me. Casey at joyfulcourage.com is my email. And I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear the questions that you have. I would love to share with you different things that are helpful, other podcast episodes that might be useful. I love hearing from you. And finally, lastly, we're gathering up tomorrow night. The Setting Boundaries Workshop is tomorrow night, y'all. Tuesday, the 26th of April from 5 to 7 p.m. PST, so Pacific, I am doing a two-hour interactive live online workshop where we're going to get into creating rules and boundaries with our teens. We're going to get into the firmness of positive discipline. I'm going to lead experiential activities. There's going to be space for conversation, group discussion. I'm holding space for some Q&A at the end. If you're into it, you need to get signed up and make sure that you get the link to join us. And also when you sign up, you get the replay. So the link to sign up is in the show notes. Also, you can go to besproutable.com slash boundaries dash tweens dash teens. Besproutable.com slash boundaries dash tweens dash teens. And again, I've been promoting this on social media. So you'll see the link in my Instagram bio. You'll see the link in the Facebook group. You'll find the link. And if you can't find the link, email me at Casey at joyfulcourage.com and I'll get you the link. I'm really excited. So come hang out with me. Thank you so much for being here through this series. Thank you for the feedback that I've been getting. Next week, I'll be back with a brand new interview. So that's exciting. I hope that you're enjoying the Thursday throwback shows where I'm bringing shows from the vault and popping them into the podcast feed. Some of my favorite guests from the last six or seven years that I've been podcasting. So crazy. But yeah, I'm here. I'm here for you. All the love, my friends. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day and I'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you again for listening. I adore this community. I'm so happy to bring you content that matters to you. Are you on my email list? If not, go to besproutable.com slash teens and get signed up now so that you can stay up to date on all the things. And you'll see on that page, seven tips over seven days, that email program that supports you in nurturing strong connections with your tweens and teens. You can sign up for that. If you feel inspired and you haven't already, please, please do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Let me know what you love about the show. Let others know what you love about the show. We're working hard to stand out and make a massive impact on families around the globe. Your review helps the Joyful Courage podcast to be seen by ever more parents. Don't forget to sign up for that Boundaries webinar workshop. It's happening April 26th, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific 
You can find the link in the show notes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Rowan. I want to say thank you for giving me permission to share about our journey, our experience, your story. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you for the work you put into the show notes and into my social media feed. Thank you, Chris Mann at podshaper.com and your team for always making the podcast sound so good in the ears of our listeners. Thank you to my colleagues at Sproutable, Julieta, Alana. I love you both. Just really feeling a lot of appreciation and love over here. Have a beautiful day, my friends. I'll see you next week. Woohoo! Bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking